in a world where everyone knows everything. <laughs> yeah, right. One dad stands below everyone and yells, I know nothing. Please welcome. Please welcome. This is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. Hey everyone, this is the Dad Who Knows Nothing podcast. Very excited today to have Wade Galt with us today. He is the three-day weekend entrepreneur coach. And I think anybody who's worked a full-time job in Monday to Friday, boy, it feels good to have that Monday or that Friday off so you can enjoy a three-day weekend. Well, what Wade really helps his, his clients do is really try to maximize what they're doing so that they can enjoy a three-day weekend lifestyle and have more time for family uh, and uh, focus on what's truly important. So I thought he'd be a great guest to have on because it would help everybody's trying to find more balance, trying to create a meaningful life and a profitable business and doing this while else, you know, wanting to uh, be present for their family and all their other, their other uh, time things that, that takes up their time. So, so happy to have you with us, Wade. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, I just love that you're willing to do this just from a standpoint of sharing for other dads. It's so cool, the different resources uh, and for parents too, just to be able to learn a couple things because, you know, it doesn't come with a manual. So, or at least nothing short. So it's, it's, it's great to uh, be able to share and, and, and to hear what you're up to. Yeah, it's, it definitely doesn't come with a manual, that's for sure. So I like to ask people, usually starting out, you know, the journey that got them to where they are today. How'd you get to this three-day weekend entrepreneur? Because everybody, there's a lot of business coaches out there, a lot of entrepreneur coaching, uh, things like that. But how did you stumble, or maybe you didn't stumble onto it, but how did you get to this three-day weekend kind of philosophy in your coaching? For me, it's an extension of how I grew up. My father's an entrepreneur. My mother is a thinker. She's a stay-at-home mom, always had us reading books, thinking, spirituality, psychology, philosophy, that sort of stuff. And my parents are from the islands, from Trinidad and Tobago. And that culture in general, at least my experience of that culture, is focused more on enjoying life than working. And I think it's a, a very positive thing in the way they do it. So they have pride in what they do. They want to do great things, but they're not obsessed with, for the most part, how many things do I have? How many medals or trophies did I get? For the most part, it's about relationship and friendship and family and time together. So having grown up in that, being blessed to grow up in the United States and have that balance of the two cultures to say, yeah, there is this sense of wanting to be competent and excellent and as an entrepreneur to be able to of course you know perform well enough to help clients and make an impact but at the same time having this understanding or this experience actually it's not even understanding experience that most of my most enjoyable things in life have taken place outside of work and i and i like my work so that's but even still the biggest memories the biggest shifts the biggest friendships whatever it might be a lot of the times it's outside of work. And so from the get-go, I had the vision of wanting to do that. And it was just what business model I do. So my father's an insurance agency owner. I looked at doing that. And you and I were talking, we're both from Florida. Well, I graduated college the year after Hurricane Andrew hit Florida. And that changed the whole landscape. 
for Florida. So I did some work inside a large corporation, which is really solid with insurance, uh, but then decided to do my own thing. And I've just been blessed to, for the last 20 plus years, help businesses with basic fundamental things, coaching, recruiting, sales coaching, hiring, delegation, those, all those sort of things. But then about seven years ago, two of my friends, one was a coach and one was a friend, never met each other. At the same time, both said, wait, if you're going to really share with people what a big deal this is, and if you've seen, you know, from bouncing back and forth to having a four-day work week to not having it, to having it, to not having it, or, you know, three-day weekend, however you want to look at that, and then realizing as our kids were growing up, our kids are now 16 and 13. So when I finally got this dialed in, our kids were nine and six. Where I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing it all the time. And all the time, 85, 90% of the time depends. I might do five minutes of work on a Friday if, if I need to. But for the most part, Friday's off, Saturday's off, Sunday's off. And that's allowed me to get my Friday time. I play a lot of beach volleyball. So I get my me time for the most part, my guy friends and whatnot playing volleyball. And then when I come in to the family on the weekend and Friday evening, I'm fully present. I've gotten my needs met. There's still chores to be done and different things like that, but it's allowed me to really come in fully refreshed as opposed to at times feeling, at times resentful. Gosh, the kids take up so much of my time. I don't get to do these things and wanting to give and wanting to be the best dad I can. And yet at the same time, realizing that you know, I, I still have needs. I seem to still be wired that way. And so for me, it was just this progressive thing that eventually when I started sharing that I wanted to coach people on this, uh, one of my coaches said, wait, if you're going to coach people on it, you got to stop saying that you do it part-time. You got to figure out how to do it all the time. And then another friend who just from the beach volleyball group said, wait, you got to be out here every Friday. I said, why? I said, wait, because life's short. It's that simple. And so as something that became an intention and a reality, it's really not that much different. Whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur, it's not much different than saying at some point I want to get a pay raise in money to say, well, at some point I want to get a, a paid time off raise. And it might not be straight to, you know, to, to three weekends right away, but it's something that can very easily be done. And especially since COVID and more people working from home and flexibility, there's so many places that if you're an employee, an entrepreneur, whomever, if this is important to you, it's possible to make it happen. There might be, there'll be some trade-offs, uh, but it's definitely possible. And so for me, it's just been kind of this ongoing thing. And now I'm just trying to get more people to see that it's possible because it's made such a big difference for me and for my family. No, that's nice. And do you think that's an American United States thing where I've talked to a bunch of people from other countries, right? And their culture with, when it comes to work, it seems like they have a much better balance when it comes like, like you. So, you know, well described your parents, you know, they took pride in what they did, but they realized that their work wasn't everything. And I think sometimes in, in the United States, we're so companies are so desperate to continue to show that they're making money and they're and they're delivering to shareholders. And it's always more, 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 more that I think workers have developed this mentality that I gotta, I gotta hustle more, 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 more. Right. And I always bring this up in the substance because I'm in the insurance space. So I deal a lot with group with benefits and time off. And they always bring out this fact that we're the only developed country that doesn't have paid family leave. 
And I always counter and say, yeah, but we have a completely different workforce than other countries when it comes to paid family leave, because there's a balance in other countries between the value of work in a good life, but also being balanced and making sure that you have time for other things. And we don't, I don't think we've figured out that balance yet as a workforce in this country. Yeah, I think there's a, there's an evolution, you know, if you ever listen to anybody like Zig Ziglar, anybody talk about, you know, survival and success and significance, and, and you, you can hear it said different ways. And if you think about a third world country, usually survival is their main focus. So I've seen some of that in Trinidad, where my parents are from. I've seen some of that in Peru, where my wife is from. I've seen that in different parts of the world. And sometimes in cultures like that, there is more of community, but perhaps there's not as much abundance. So you say, okay, well, if I'm in this survival place, if I'm in this place of dependence, I want to be more independent. And if you look at the United States, that is a very big value for us, independence. Uh, so much at times that one could argue that many of the things we argue for as rights, whether it's legalization of drugs or too many guns or this or too not enough guns, whatever, it's all the different, but very often the core of that is I don't want to be told what to do. Right. I want exactly. to be independent. And you say, okay, so independence is, so if, if a child is independent, like literally a, a human being child says, okay, I'm dependent upon you at least until about, let's say 14 or 15, just biologically, like I can figure it out, but realistically, let's say 18 or so. And then, so the, the teenager's journey seems to be this independence. Like I can do it. And it's like, look at mom, look at dad. I did this. And, you know, independence is this. I'm number one. We're number one. We did it. We're better. We're, and instead of like, we all did this, it's me or this small group right. of people. And there's a, there's, there's great stuff that comes out of that. My, my dad actually was the number one salesperson in, in his company. And, and so he still has that very, he is kind of very, in a good way, type A and type awesome as one of my friends says. And so it's great to tap into that. And I'm definitely not against that. I've got quite a lot of that. And yet at the same time, a lot of people seem to think there's either independence or dependence. And so I want independence. Well, there's this thing that's a step above that, which is interdependence, where you say, look, I don't count on any one person, but I know I need people. Right. I, you know, and this is where, you know, any sort of hardcore ideologist on either side, left or right, will find that the countries that do the best have a little bit of both, you know, insurance, uh, social security, those are social benefits. Uh, if you want to, you know, if you want to get so independent that you have no, um, you know, everything's all mine. You say, great, complete independence, go to a third world country where there's almost no infrastructure because everybody with money is saying, I, not everybody, but most saying, I, 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 me, me, me. I don't care about them five feet away. So within the walls of my house, it's a flipping palace, but two blocks outside, it's right. Armageddon. And there's yeah. no infrastructure, no roads. So it's one of those things where I think as a country we're developing, we're still a young country, you know, historically speaking. And I think that's that next move that even a lot of the millennials and the Gen Z are sort of saying more of like, we need more of this balance. And this is the part where you mentioned other countries, like I've got quite a few friends from Norway. Well, and people will say, well, wait, you know, they're, they're a smaller country, they're only 5 million. I'm like, yeah, but they work about 1400 hours a year where we work is about 1800 hours. Their average GDP is about 63 to 65,000 a year in our dollars. And ours is less by about 15 to 20%. So they figured out something. It's, it's not laziness, right? It's not unwillingness to work. And yes, there's, there's having a homogenous culture and there's, there's other variables. But my point is, is there are things that if we focus on them, we can do. And I think 
as you're a parent, you also start really realizing internally, what are those things that are most important that you were told about? And then you start realizing that, yeah, once you get past X number of dollars, the, one of the studies said it was roughly 70,000 a year, you know, it doesn't, the, the, the increases of happiness sort of, sort of level off because, okay, is it a, a pretty nice car that drives me from point A to B, point B or is it the super greatest car ever? And I still get from point A to point B and I still have my insecurities with me, my securities, whatever it is. So I think there's more going on. I think there's so much that's awesome about the United States. And I think this is something that we're, we're in the middle of this. I think we're starting to figure this out because now I'm 50, so I've watched this conversation happen. Now it's no longer crazy for a male to talk about work-life balance and not be labeled as a wuss, a sissy, or other not so nice words, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, you know, you're wuss, you're soft, but you, right. you can't work. You can't, oh, you can't take it. No, I, I want to enjoy things. Man, don't you, don't y'all remember college? College was fun, man. I want a little yeah. more college in my life. <laughs> so I think a lot of it's just that understanding that it's possible. And then that understanding too, that maybe other people get to stage sometimes. Uh, I was happened to be born in Canada, you know, Canada being number two or number three, sometimes not so bad. A lot less attention, a lot less press, still a pretty good lifestyle. But Canada happens to be cold. I can't handle the cold. But my point is, is we don't always have to be number one and we can still have fun. So I think there's so much that we learn. But as entrepreneurs, especially when we have that fear of, can I make it happen? Or as, or as an employee, am I going to get fired? That fear drives and I don't want to be driven. Yeah. I don't want to be driving. I want the wheel in, I want the wheel in my hands. Yeah. What wasn't it that show? Uh, was it the newsroom that had Jeff Daniels in it? I, I always love that clip where yep. they, they, you know, we're the number one country in the world. And Jeff Daniels is like, actually, we're not. And so he listed all these lists of where we ranked and all these different categories. And, and I think sometimes I think, I think, to your point, the current generation and generations that as they move into the they're going to understand and, and they're going to, it's going to be more of a reality that, Hey, we're, we're, we may not be the top country. We have things we need to work on and, and that's okay. Uh, you know, if, as long as we're doing that together to your point, you know, having those things that we're working on together while still being able to uh, carve your own path. I think that's, that's more of what the American way is, you know, that people have sought after for so long. Yeah, and I think as the male too, is that, you know, even in business, one of the biggest things most entrepreneurs struggle with is how do I let go of control? Well, if you're the hero male, if you're the heroic male, you're supposed to know everything, right. do everything and fix everything. Yep. And it's flipping tiring. And it you really realize is. pretty quickly that you can't. So nope. no man is an island. So a lot of times what people are looking at in this, in today's society, right? We have a lot of side gigs. A lot of people have their normal job. I'm kind of this way. I kind of have my own normal full-time job. And then I'm doing some things on the side, kind of as a hobby, because I enjoy doing them. Should uh, what, What's your advice for people? I mean, if they have something that they like to do, that they love doing, you know, people always talk about, oh, I just do this for fun. I enjoy doing it, you know, and make a little bit, you know. But then when they scale it, right, and then they be it becomes their job, well, then maybe it's not so fun anymore. So what do you, what do you, what advice do you give your clients if they're weighing whether or not to, you know, stay with the, the, the full-time gig or move over into something they love to do, uh, like much as much as you did? Wow. Thanks. Such a great question. Such a loaded question. 
I've not found that there's a sing single answer to that because it depends, I think. For me, I, I definitely believe that you have to do your soul work. You might not get paid to do your soul work, but if you know what your soul work is or your purpose, but I think that's a broader definition. Sometimes, especially in the US, we think that has to mean a vocation. I right. know one of my things, one of my purpose uh, items in life is to be a father. That's getting up at 3 a.m. to change the diapers. That, that doesn't make me money, but that's my purpose. And sometimes people say, what is it your purpose you do and the money will follow? I said, I didn't get paid for changing diapers. And I think the purpose is what you would do even if you didn't get paid for. Um, and if you can't get paid for it, that's awesome. I mean, if you're Bono and you sing for U2, if you're Celine Dion and you figure out how to do that, that's great. But they're also working. You don't become LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan by just like, yeah, I kind of like basketball. No, they've worked their tails off. So they, mm -hmm. they chose that. And for some people that works. In my case, I dabbled with and played semi-professional volleyball. I watched some friends take it on as a career. It's not a very lucrative comparatively to other sports um, situation. And so I have a couple of friends that did phenomenally, did world-class, have won gold medals in the Olympics and stuff. And then I have other people that it just wasn't as fun. And I, I did what I think was the right choice for me. I kept it as a hobby and I still play today and I enjoyed it. Even the podcast I have right now, the three day weekend entrepreneur is primarily a, a labor of love. It's not my main source of income. I've been blessed to have my business be to where I make the majority of my income in about two days a week. And I could either focus two days a week more scaling that, which for me doesn't engage me, doesn't excite me. If I had to, I would. That's why I said I'm blessed. But so I do these other things. And so I have found when I don't do my soul work, that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so whether that's helping people, building homes for Habitat for Humanity, teaching at Sunday school, at the community school, at a vocational tech school, or for a living, whatever it looks like. But what's so cool about today and, and today's world is, if you think back, you seem to be somewhat at least close to my age, you know, 20 years ago, you had to choose. You're, it was called moonlighting. You had to do it by the light of the moon, so to speak. You had to literally have a job A, physically go to job B. You couldn't say, well, I work from home or that for two hours a day or three hours a day, I'm gonna start a side business. And that's 15 hours a week, which is not bad, or 10 hours a week. And yeah, in three to five years, in a little bit, like you can eventually, you can slowly, you can decide that as a side hustle, year one, my goal is to make 5,000 bucks. And year two, it's to make 10,000. Like you can play the long tail game, which before there wasn't too many situations where you could do that. So I think it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's kind of what you choose. For example, a lot of people my age, just the idea of working you know, four days a week is this big deal. I talked to Gen Z's kids and, and, and millennials like, well, of course I can live wherever I want, work from a company remotely, travel the world, see all the countries, whatever, 210 or whatever the number is by the time I'm 30. And we're thinking we're going to do that when we retire, like when we're in our 60s. That's what we were talking. Like maybe if you're a good boy or a good girl, right. work your tail off and make a lot of money and the market does well. And we stay in a bull market as a country for like all these ifs. And so I think from that perspective, it's one of those things where you can kind of decide what comes first and doing the soul work. I mean, hey, if, if you love it, great then just doesn't make you money or not. But there's something I love. Um, there's a something in Marianne Williamson's book, the audiobook of her book, The Return to Love. She had a side note, or maybe, and maybe it was in the book, I didn't read the book, but she talked about how so many, she'd meet a lot of actors. And they said, well, nobody, you know, I can't be an actor. And she said, no, 
What you're saying is you can't get paid the way you want to get paid to be an actor. If you're really an actor, go act, go to the local clubhouse or, you know, playhouse or, you know, like go act, go to the community centers, the adult centers where the, the, the nursing homes, there's plenty of opportunities to act. What you're saying is you can't do exactly what you want to get paid. The way. I mean, no, not always. But if you really, if you're an actor, you're an act. If you're a podcaster, you podcast. Right. You just do that. And maybe the money comes later and, and maybe it doesn't. Right. So I want to spend some time on this three-day weekend lifestyle that you uh, work with your clients to to have. So I want to look at it from two lenses, right? One lens of the entrepreneur way. So from an entrepreneur perspective, how long should it take to create a three-day weekend lifestyle that's sustainable? Great. Okay. So, and there's, there's a big if on that. I'll put, once you're making your target income, whatever that happens to be, you can usually do it in about 90 days to at most a year. If you're not yet making your target income, you might have to keep dialing up to your target income, but you could also cut your expenses so that your target income doesn't have to be as high. So there's interplay in there, but let's just start with, if you're making your target income, a lot of it really comes down to this. It really is, provided you're in a business, well, let me, let me first say it this way. There are some businesses, so I have a software business and a coaching business. Coaching business, nobody cares if I'm not there on Friday. Software business, people want tech support questions answered. I've groomed my clients over the years that I'm usually not as available on Friday. I'll still technically check Friday after I've come back from the beach, I'm exhausted, I can't play another game, I'm done, I'm spent. I will go check my email because the alternative would be for me to hire a tech support person to do just Fridays and train them. And I don't wanna have to hustle to make the sales to hire that person. So yes, I'll work five to 10 minutes on a Friday. And technically is that my, for me, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not dogmatic about it. I used to be, and it drove me nuts. I got to do what I wanted with my day. Um, but so some, some businesses more lend themselves to five days a week, six hours a day, or some parents will say, hey, wait, I want to be doing my business when my kids are in school. So mm. it's not, again, everybody's got their own flavor. So I don't want to say that three-day weekends are better. I love them. And I do like the idea of when you get three days, you get time enough away to forget what you do for a living. And then you get to literally, it's like a mini vacation. And then you come back and you're fully recharged. But to that, so let's say you're making your target income. The chances that you're doing, or me or anybody entrepreneur, is doing productive work 100% of the time are really, really slim. Right. So what it takes to make it happen, though, it does not take a planner. It does not take, you can do the thing where you say, okay, a simple way to say, okay, this month I'm going to work one hour less. I'm going to take off Friday at four, then next month, Friday at three, Friday, Friday at two, Friday at one. So that's one way, a very intelligent way to ease your way out of it. But the simplest way, if you want to get there quicker, figure out what's more important. In other words, if you had a vacation coming up, you'd squeeze four days of work in, and then you'd go do your, you do your three-day weekend. We do it all the time when we have holiday right. weekends. And so a lot of it is more choosing. There are, I mean, there's certainly, if you don't ever make a strategic change, well, then it won't last. It'll be like you just took a bunch of Fridays off, then you'll get a hangover of work and it'll come back and it'll, it'll kind of crush you. But ultimately, it really comes down to looking at your business and saying, what are the activities I do that are not as helpful? And so, for example, as a podcaster, okay, do I, do I need to check my stats every single day or when you first start out like I did, you know, every hour? No, that's not making the stats go up. Um, if you're, you know, can you do certain things on the same day if you're ahead of time? There's a lot of different efficiencies that you can have, or you do you just simply decide there's certain projects I've worked on that you finally admit this project isn't going anywhere. I'm going to table it for a year because I'd rather on Friday be going golf with my buddies or taking my wife out or whatever it might be. 
And so a lot of it I found for an entrepreneur, if you're at that point, again, where you're making your target income or more, it really is about choosing that you're going to do this. And even if you're close, you say, well, wait, but it's, it's not a guarantee. You're an entrepreneur. We, we don't have any guarantees. And we know that the employees have no guarantees either. But a lot of them don't know that we already know we have no guarantees. And so it is one of those things that it's waiting there for you to choose it. And there's no magic to four days. You might say you want to work three days. I happen to like working four days, even if we have like a Monday off because of, let's say, Memorial Day or something, I'll still find myself working like three tens. I'll get in 30 hours and three. I like doing a certain amount of work if I'm unless I'm on vacation. That's a whole different conversation. Right. But yeah, so for the entrepreneur, it's 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 really a lot of it's a choice. Um, and just making yourself do it and, and, and closing the laptop or turning off the phone. And sometimes my Thursday nights, I'd be up until midnight and I might not get great sleep. It's like, okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm off. And so you can kind of work your way into it. So yeah, I've had plenty of people that have listened to me just share an idea and they're like a year later, oh wait, yeah, do you, I didn't take your course. I didn't buy your book and listen to buy. I just did that. And so now I'm doing that. So it, it is for some, it, it's a choice and they just start making that, that decision. Yeah, it's interesting how much so much of it comes down to mindset, right? And the way we think of things. And so just just coming from the mindset of, you know, adding on those additional hours in the other days, getting the same type of work. And obviously, you know, like you said, every business is kind of different as far as the demands. Do you what do you say to people who talk to you about this and they're like, hey, I don't really have a hobby. I don't really have something that I, I would love to be an entrepreneur, but I don't really have anything that I can be that that I can start as a business. What, what do you what do you tell those people? Well, two things. So, as an entrepreneur, excuse me, as an employee, let's just go back to square one. You don't have to have an entrepreneur to make this happen. As an employee, you can be simply indispensable. You can be so useful and valuable to your business that you can slowly negotiate these things. And it doesn't have to be confrontational. 20 years ago, I tried to do it. It didn't work. The, the market, the, the, the workforce wasn't right. The answer was, Wade, we know you could probably do it, but it would upset a lot of other people in this large corporation that you're in, and we're not ready to make that. There's not a critical mass of that, so we're not going to, just for you, we're not going to do this whole thing. And, and that was the right answer for them to say. There's nothing wrong with that. That, that was the accurate answer. It had been more pain in the butt, caused more problems. But think about this from a slightly different standpoint. You work for a person. I'm just gonna use a concept. Let's say you get 40 results in a week, just to keep it real simple. You get one an hour, haircuts, mowing lawns, building a widget, consulting hours, whatever it is, you get 40 results in a week and you're an employee and you, you, you speak to your employer and you say, okay, so let's, let's talk about what is it that I do, just to make sure you understand, that really makes the most money, that you know makes the most impact for the business, this, that. And they say, okay, it's these things. So you've identified those 40 things, because it might not always be what you think it is. Let's say you've identified it. it's these 40 things, these 40 results. You say, okay, if I could get those results done in less time, would it matter how many hours I'm here? Now, if you're in pure sales, pure commissions, the world's already set up that way. You're a car right. salesman, different things. But I remember I asked this once to a friend of mine who's an entrepreneur, and I said, if your employees could get you know, five days worth of results in four days, would you give them that fifth day off? He says, he said, philosophically, Wade, yes, I would. He said, but I know a lot of times they'll be inconsistent. It won't always happen. He said, but if you tell me they're getting six days worth of results, I'll get them off in four and we'll find like, in other words, what's in it for me. So a lot of this is about just trying to understand what is it the 
business owner wants. Now, in a, the larger the corporation, sometimes the harder it is to do, sometimes the easier, because they'll say, oh, we can rotate people. Like the hospital, for example, the, the hotel and restaurant business is built around flexible schedules. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it assumes them because nobody can work a full shift at a hotel of 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so if you can just get into the conversations, what is it that you're really looking for results wise? And if I could get certain results, can we look at even something as simple as, could we look at me starting to earn? What, what result would I have to get that I could earn one day off the following month? So if this month I get X result, I earn one day off next month. Maybe you do that for a while, then you say, what would help me earn two or three or four? There's, there's always a result. It's just that most people aren't getting it. Now, again, if you talk to an employer and say, I want to be paid more on a results basis, I want to be rewarded for that. That's music to their ears. It just depends how flexible can they be, how creative thinking are they? And if they won't, man, there's a lot of places that are offering it right now. So right now we're what, mid or late 2022? There are so many opportunities that are results-based. Just get the job done. I don't care how long it takes you. I want X quality of result because businesses are getting better at measuring quality. I really don't want you occupying a chair. So there's that. And then in that, you might decide you want to start a side hustle or not, but you might not. You might find a great place where you just say to the business owner, what's your objective? And they say, well, I'm just, shoot, I'm trying to get to be able to work. For okay, great. You tell me all the things that you need done on your Friday. I'll take them off your plate. I'll make sure they get done. And then can I start? Like, it really is like people are looking for this really big, fancy formula. It's not a formula. Employers pay for results. They pay for people that make them money and the people that make them happy. You help make their life better, make them happy. You know, that's a possibility too. So th there's so much possibility. If you start thinking that way, you can plant seeds. And again, if, if it's taking too long where you're at, you can start a side hustle to earn your way out. And you can also be looking at other places that just already get it. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things, if you are doing a side hustle, and I've certainly seen this with podcasting, I'm sure you have as well. You know, I, I'm not in a position to have a, a producer or, you know, somebody on that, that I pay a salary to at this point. So a lot of stuff is being done by freelancers. So, you know, I, I don't mind paying a little money to somebody who can do it, uh, do a video edit in, 30 minutes and it would take me two hours to do it. Right. So how do you build a team of high quality freelancers? Because this gig economy is out there. And I don't know if you've ever used Fiverr, but I've used Fiverr many times and they do great work and they're so good at what they do that. Why would you not deploy them to take some stuff off your plate, especially if it's a side hustle type thing that you don't want to spend it or you want to be able to control the amount of time you're spending. So what, what are your thoughts there as far as building a team of freelancers to help? Sure. And I'll invite people to listen to this from both sides. Listen to this as if you're an employee that you could be that freelancer. And if you're the entrepreneur, you could be hiring out freelancers. And also an entrepreneur, you could be a high dollar freelancer. Not all freelancers are doing you know administrative or, or, or lower dollar stuff in the overall sort of scheme. Look, 20 years ago, when I had to hire somebody or 15 years ago, I had to hire them full time. If I wanted right. somebody, so I had yeah. to figure out how to make enough money to, to, to do that. That was a risk. And I remember our business did really well with my software business. And we had, had some downturns and stuff from industry forces. And at some point I was like, wow, this, you know, now I'm having to hustle to make sales to, to cover this person. You don't have to do that today. You can hire people on Fiverr 
or Upwork.com or Online Jobs PH or all these different sites where you can get people that they're in essence freelancers, they're entrepreneurs, or maybe they're freelancers who also have a job and they're just saying, I'll get this result done for you. And it really does come down to two things. Number one, if you can bill out at, I'll just use a simple concept. Let's say you can bill out at $100 an hour. Now, any entrepreneur who's done this for a while knows you don't bill all 2,000 hours of your year. If you, people say, oh, you're, you, you bill $100 an hour, and the employee says, you make 200,000 a year. Now, no, I may be in billing a third of the time, half the time. So there's differences in hourly. So for example, a person who's making $25 an hour as an employee that makes 50,000 a year, to make that 50,000 as an entrepreneur, they might have to bill 100 an hour, 150 an hour, just to even get back to that, that same amount. But if you, let's, again, let's go, you're making $100 an hour. When you're, when you're hired to do your thing, so not every hour, but when you're, when you're live, you say, okay, so this person who can edit my podcast, anywhere from, let's say, right now, 10 to 25 bucks an hour internationally, you can find people that can do some of these skills, editing the podcast, social media management, you can find them for even less. And there's sort of two parts to that conversation. One, can you find them and are they vetted? Or at least do they, is, is there a rating system? And as you know, these sites like Fiverr, Upwork, yeah, just like if you go to Amazon to purchase something, there's ratings. On these sites, there's ratings to show how well is this freelancer done. So you're taking an educated guest and you work with them, you do micro projects. You might just do like a, a $20 project or a $50 project. Edit this one podcast episode and let's see how it goes and then go from there. And so it allows you, and these are people that they're already expecting that you're not hiring them for 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week. It's just as the job needs to be done. So they're building you know, their portfolio of clients. And again, that's why I say to the people who are employees thinking, yeah, you could be that person that two hours a week, four hours a week, you're doing video editing, you're doing these different things, and you can be in all different parts of the world. And depending on how great your skills are, you can charge from five bucks to 50 bucks to 250 to 500 an hour. And the other part that people get caught up in is, wait, let me get this straight. So you're, you're telling me that there's people that you pay that are in the Philippines that you're paying them less per hour than you pay some of the United States. The answer is yes. So, well, 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 hold on. Are you not a patriot? You're not American? Said, first of all, I can't afford to pay the American rate, number one, to some of these people for the same job. Number two, you're not always getting better work for the same. I mean, right. sometimes I found people that literally I'm getting better work. Third, I'm an entrepreneur. I believe in the value of the American dream, which is that the people who are hungry and are willing to work and create value. That's to me, that's not just an American thing. We didn't make that up. That's a, so to me, those will be the people who are always running the world or whatever you want to call it is the people who are willing to create value, not necessarily hustling, but creating value. And very often there's hustle involved. And then also a lot of these people do have different pricings of, of their local economy. And so you say, oh, so you're taking advantage of them because they can make, no, they're not buying a lot of the crap that we're buying. <laughs> so they don't need to make as much. And there's currency difference. So there's, there's all these different variables, but at the end of the day, if I want to impact people, at, you know, at times I can afford an employee full-time and at times I need that help, but bottom line, that person can do it. And I, if, if it doesn't work out, I've risked 25 bucks, 50 bucks. And if it does work out, now I've got somebody that's helping me and I can't speak for other people. I look out for the people that I hire as freelancers as if they were my own 
children would be will be intensive but as any employee have how can I help you make more money how can I teach you skills where you can build more and more and more how can I help you have a greater life and again just from this whole overall world thing if everybody else's country gets abundant we won't have people that are running you know in these dire situations saying I'll get on a raft to go anywhere just to get away from my country because it's so bad so I don't pretend to be smart enough to understand how all these interconnect but if I'm willing to pay people abundantly and, and grow from that. And you can be the person hiring them. You can be the person being hired. I've been both, even on Upwork, I've been hired as a, as a, at a you know, higher amounts for coaching work and different things. It's such an opportunity and you can invest five hours a week. You can invest 10 hours a week. It's, it's, it's really, it's amazing what you can do. Yeah, very cool. I, I really think uh, sites like that have really opened up the possibilities for a lot of people. Uh, because, you know, like you said, a podcast is a labor of love. It's not something that anybody's making a ton of money on unless you're unless you're one of the top two two percent of podcasts. Right. And so if you enjoy doing it, though, and you can figure out a way to do it where you're not, you know, killing yourself, hitting your hitting your head into a wall, trying to do some of the technical things to, to make that sound good, then, uh, you know, that that works out great. I think I may have lost you for a little bit there. Sorry, I, I was say I wasn't sure it was I I lost you after labor of love. I, I don't know if it was a hiccup on my end or your end, but for a second it kind of paused there. Yeah, I was just saying if we can take advantage of some of these freelancers to make it uh, not so painful to uh, produce the content that we're trying to produce from a podcasting perspective, then it makes our hobby, our fun, a little bit more fun. And and to your point, it also helps the freelancers as well. Yeah, well, with the freelancer, oh, sorry, real quick, just the freelancer, you can move incomes very quickly because if you start looking, certain job categories like admin work is five to 10 bucks an hour, video editing is 10 to 20. Now, there's certain things where you can learn a skill. So it really is as a side hustle, something you can jump at and grow at very, very quickly if you want. Nice. Well, Wade, this has been very nice. It's been a great conversation. I've enjoyed it. Um, if you if you could leave my listeners with one thought or or one thing for them to take away, what would it be? Life really is short. There are so many opportunities to be present with your family, your loved ones, your kids. If you have kids, yes, they will be gone soon. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. I've never regretted any of the time that I've spent with my kids, with my family, with my friends. And I love my work. I really love my work, but I only want so much of it. I want to be able to enjoy time outside. It is worth it. The juice is worth the squeeze. It's worth figuring out. It took me 22 years after leaving college, had to figure out to get three days, weekends consistently. It shouldn't take you that long if you really make it a focus. And if you have something that's important to do, you'll find the time. And if you're not finding the time, really reflect on what is it that would be important enough that you'd willing, be willing to trade some dollars. You'd be willing to trade the upgrade on your car. You'd be willing to trade whatever that thing is where you'd say, yeah, you know, that's more important because uh, life really is short. And it is, at least in my experience, still a lot about collecting experiences and memories uh, with the people we care most about. Yeah, nice. Well said. So if you want to learn more about Wade and his three-day weekend work that he's doing, it's threedaywekendclub.com. He also has the podcast. If you want to look for that, it's called The Three-Day Weekend Entrepreneur. 
Wade Galt. We'll make sure this information is in our show notes so all our listeners can refer to it. And I appreciate your time. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me, Dana. Thank you for joining us on our journey to learn about various topics. If you'd like to get in touch with the dad who knows nothing, connect with him at the dad who knows nothing on TikTok and Instagram or dad knows zero on Twitter. If you have a moment and you like this episode, drop us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great day and enjoy your journey through this game called life. <laughs>